first thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on the No. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower. Everybody and welcome into episode number 140 of the Sports Kiki Podcast. My name is Alex Reamer here on this lovely Saturday, November the 5th. You can find the Sports Kiki Podcast wherever you can find your favorite outsports shows. We are available on Spotify, Apple, Google. You know the drill by now, 140 episodes in. Download, listen, rate, subscribe. Longer show this week. No getaway day for me, sadly, but we had an excellent time again in Provincetown. Thank you for asking. I have a few things I want to get to before I throw it to uh, a very interesting conversation that I had earlier today with uh, Noel Ruiz, who works for an LGBTQ advocacy organization called Impulse Group. He works for their Orlando chapter. Last weekend... When I was in Provincetown, as one would have it, I was scrolling Twitter, and I saw a chart pop up with lots of colors, lots of cool designs, and the chart was a drug chart, and it lists several drugs, at least 10 of them, maybe even a dozen, uh, vertically and horizontally, and then it tells you how each drug mixes with the other, and I thought, wow, what a crazy chart. But actually, this chart was not put out by, like, some meme gods or people on Twitter. No, this chart was put out by an LGBTQ advocacy group, Impulse. And, uh, well, I decided to have on a member of the group on to talk about this chart. Why did they make it? What kind of message are they trying to get across in terms of risk prevention, which is something we talked a lot about during COVID and the public health guidelines there. And, you know, out sports, sports and wellness, it fits as well. So it's a it's a good conversation, if I say so myself, with a Noel Ruiz. So, uh, yeah, drug chart talk coming up in a few minutes. So that probably gives you incentive to stick around, does it not? But before that, I want to pick up where we left off on last week's show, where I talked about the World Cup, which begins later this month, November 20th, in just a few weeks. Qatar is hosting, and it's going to be a big story for us at OutSports because being LGBTQ in Qatar is not allowed. It is illegal in that country. The treatment of LGBTQ people is deplorable. Even if you are not Muslim, you can still be jailed for being LGBTQ. If you are Muslim, according to the country's penal code, you actually can be killed for being LGBTQ. Um... And Qatar is hosting the World Cup. Yay. So a top UK government official last week named James Cleverly, I believe he's the foreign secretary, 
Although who knows now, they resign all the time over there. (laughs) But as of last week, James Cleverly was the foreign secretary of the UK, and he advised gay soccer fans to, quote, tone it down if they went to Qatar to see the World Cup. Well, the FIFA bosses sent out a letter to all the World Cup teams this week that was, of course, leaked to Sky News in the UK. UK is on this stuff, man. Um, And the FIFA bosses are telling the World Cup teams and all the players to, yeah, tone down their activism. Uh, Sky News has exclusively seen the full letter from FIFA's president Gianni Infantino, who I guess is another supervillain. Nobody had a better name for a FIFA head than Sepp Blatter, who was in charge when Qatar secured the World Cup years ago. I mean, that's like an A-plus supervillain kind of name, Sepp Blatter. Gianni Infantino, not as much. You know, that's okay. That's okay, because his actions are evil enough. And that's because he authored a letter to all FIFA teams and players telling them to please, let's now focus on football. We know football does not live in a vacuum, and we are equally aware that there are many challenges and difficulties of a political nature all around the world. But please do not allow football to be dragged into every ideological or political battle that exists. As I said last week, the appeasement is worse than the crime that it's covering up. Because these are, I mean... FIFA is telling because the appeasement allows the crime to continue and for everybody to look the other way. I mean, you're telling me that FIFA doesn't want its players and teams, if they so choose, to make a statement against Qatar's abhorrent human rights record. And I'm just not talking about in regards to gay people. I'm talking about in regards to women. I'm talking about in regards to the migrant workers, the slave laborers who literally died to build these World Cup stadiums and world-class venues. FIFA president Gianni, I'm sure he's staying in a gorgeous five-star suite, six-star suite. wonder how many migrant workers died to build that for him. He doesn't want any players, any teams making any sort of statement. That's gross. That's really gross, and it's exactly the response that, it, it, it's just too perfect, right? It's, it's too perfect. It's exactly the wrong response. It's the most callous response possible. And so, of course, that's what FIFA is putting out there internally to its clubs. Gross, gross, gross. And of course, news of that leaked Friday, that letter from FIFA Well, we also got a report Friday in a British newspaper about a gay man in Qatar who says he was lured to a hotel room through a dating app. And when he arrived in said hotel room, Qatari officials were waiting there for him and they, quote, raped him one by one, arrested him and deported him. But yeah, FIFA wants the athletes to, you know, stay quiet about that over the next month. Wow. 
Another wow story, and this is a sad story, is what's going on with Dwayne Wade and his ex-wife. This is in the news this week. I'll be reading from the Washington Post. Dwayne Wade's ex-wife claims that he is exploiting Zaya, their daughter, for financial gain. Dwayne Wade on Thursday fired back in a social media post against his ex-wife. I don't quite know how to pronounce her first name, so I'm not going to say it because I don't want to butcher it. Who filed a petition this week objecting to the former NBA star's August court filing to legally change their trans daughter's name and assigned gender. The objection of Dwayne Wade's ex-wife requests that their 15-year-old daughter, Zaya, make this decision for themselves when she turns 18, the age of majority. Dwayne Wade's ex-wife also claims that he stands to profit from Zaya's name and gender change with contracts and marketing opportunities through companies like Disney and may be pressuring or incentivizing the minor child with lucrative financial opportunities. So Dwayne Wade responded on Instagram defending himself and his family. These are serious and harmful allegations that have hurt our children. Um, And then he goes on and on about his wife and while none of us are surprised by her attempt to fight Zaya's identity and her unwavering attempt to drag my name through the mud. I'm very disappointed. She continually finds a way of centering herself and her needs without regard to her children. So, you know, what's so sad about this story is Zaya Wade is 15 years old. She's already living a very public life as the daughter of Dwayne Wade one of the great basketball players, NBA players of his generation. You know, Gabrielle Union is now her stepmom, you know, an A-list actress. So Zaya Wade is living in the limelight already. But now she gets unwittingly and unwillingly dragged into the middle of this nasty culture war Because you know, I already saw, I did a Google before recording today. The Daily Mail has a story up about this. I'm sure the New York Post clickbait department does as well. So now, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if this is a topic on Fox News. Maybe tonight, this weekend, I'm sure it will be. And the big loser in all that, of course, is Zaya, the 15-year-old. If Dwayne Wade's ex-wife truly believes this, I don't know. Whether the allegation's true, not, I have no idea. Dwayne Wade seems like a great guy to me, but I've never met him. I don't know. But regardless of whether these allegations have merit, they should not have been taken publicly like this. You got to try to address that privately. You have to address that privately for the sake of your child. Because that's the, Zaya Wade is the biggest loser here. So yeah, that's a pretty sad story. As I mentioned, uh, had a good conversation with Noel Ruiz of the Impulse Group. They're the group behind the drug chart, which has made its way around Twitter yet again. Uh, that conversation's coming up on the other side of this uh, of this little break. It's a Sports Kiki podcast. Thank you, as always, for listening. And welcome back to the show. As I was saying in the opening, uh, we have a, a, a big wellness guest on the show here today. That's how I'm, that's how I'm uh, phrasing this interview here. Noel Ruiz <laughs> works for Impulse Group Orlando. 
It is a uh, LGBTQ uh, advocacy group. Uh, one of their main uh, projects is representing the AIDS Healthcare Foundation, and they do all other sorts of cool things. Uh, Noel, how are you? Welcome to the show. I am amazing today. It's Friday. It's been a long week. I'm happy to be here. Yes. Um, thank you so much for finding me on Twitter and inviting me to the podcast. I'm super down to talk about everything that we do at Impulse and the AIDS Healthcare Foundation. Yeah. So, I mean, I found you on Twitter last weekend because there's this big chart out there, all sorts of colors, color coded, very nice. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> which drugs, I want to say mix best, but which drugs mix like the least bad with each other, I guess would probably be the best way to put it. And I said, wow, <laughs> perfect timing for this chart. It's Halloween weekend, Halloween weekend. But uh, yep. actually, you said this chart's been out for many years. So before we yes. go further, uh, joking aside, you do have this chart out there that your group, Impulse, has created. It's been out there for a few years about all drugs from weed to Viagra to really hard stuff as well and what and how they mix and just tell the people about this chart and what prompted an advocacy organization like Impulse to release it to the public. Yeah. So again, that drug chart has been out for 10, 11, yeah. 12 years now. Um, so to give you some context, um, Impulse is an advocacy group affiliated with the AIDS Healthcare Foundation. Um, we basically are the marketing team on site that helps them tap into the community because there's a tendency for when we have all this information, when it relates to AIDS numbers, HIV numbers, and then how many people are overdosing, there's a distance between the people that need to hear that the most, which are the people who are you know, maybe in a nightclub doing those crazy things and making those specific choices that, you know, could impact their life. So we released the drug chart specifically 10 years ago in order to get people to think. So you look at that and instead of telling people, don't do drugs, don't do this, we're trying to have a more realistic conversation about it. So um, the reality is if my best friend was going to a music festival, I'm not going to tell him, hey, don't, don't do that, Molly. They're probably going to do it. The reality is as a friend, I'm going to say, hey, just make sure you're not drinking alcohol and you're drinking plenty of water. Right. That conversation is where we where we thrive in. I think that there's less of that. There's less real conversations about that. And there's a big blanket statements of don't do drugs, don't have sex or don't do this versus having that layered conversation. Um, when you look at that chart, there's like I, I forgot how many are specifically listed. I know there's at least 10. So those are all different drugs and they all have different interactions with each other. Right. I'm happy to say that marijuana is safe to do with anything, apparently. That's my <laughs> takeaway. We should all yeah. be more weed. Yes. But um, so the thing is also when we were younger, we were told in school, they're like, don't smoke weed, you'll die. Like the, the media was so psychotic about smoking marijuana. And obviously anybody, millennials, we can all agree now, it's not that deep. It doesn't run that deep. You can smoke a, a, a hit of weed and you will totally be fine. Um, obviously the other drugs on that chart, maybe like Molly, cocaine, those are more complex and there's more layers there. But maybe if you're going to a club one day and if you're drinking alcohol, what's common in a nightclub, people might be doing cocaine. You technically shouldn't be mixing those two because that can elevate your heart rate and you're likely to have a heart attack. Um, but as we know, there's a club culture, there's things that people might do more so in a, in a club setting or a rave setting that could be detrimental to your health. Um, in school, they don't prepare you for that though. They don't tell you, oh, you specifically can't do these things together, but other things are safer right. than others, right? Um, and again, the, the whole idea is not to tell you, don't do this. I, I really just want to, as your friend, give you this steered guidance, right? It's to give you some peace of mind. 
Yeah. I mean, when I was in high school, I don't remember my health teacher bringing out a chart telling me uh, how ketamine mixes with, uh, you know, psychedelics. But, uh, but, <laughs> yes. But um, the, oh, go ahead. No. And, and the other thing, too, is it's it's the those drugs. And then there's other things like um, Viagra. I think a right. lot of people take Viagra and it's very hush hush because, again, this ties into their ego. So they're on Viagra. They don't want to tell anyone, but they're also still participating in this party lifestyle, this party culture. And they go home with somebody and then they want to participate in the the sex drugs, which is um, sniffing poppers, which is a drug used to aid in, in intercourse. Right. Um, the thing is, you're not supposed to mix those two because it can also make your heart rate elevate and then you could have a heart attack. Um, it also does other things. Um, again, I'm not really a doctor here, but these are right. some things that I've learned by, by doing this for so long. But there's certain things that people can engage in that they don't know is actually going to be detrimental. Um, Viagra is not a drug that people use recreationally the same way they would, you know, go and do something in the bathroom. But it's it's something that you shouldn't mix with very commonly mixed together. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the phrases that keeps coming back to my mind is the phrase risk prevention. And we uh, use that a lot during covid where a lot mm -hmm. of the public health messaging, as you know, and I talked to a lot of people about this, um, was very black and white, you know, not just social distancing, but in terms of, you know, no sex, no physical contact of, of any sort. And that's just not realistic for a large portion of people. So, you know, the New York City Health Department released a, a poster at the start of COVID and they got made fun of. It was saying, you know, safe ways to practice oral sex and whatnot. But like, I thought <laughs> it was useful because yeah. it's speaking to, you know, as we said, black, people are not black and white. You know, austerity does not lead to people not doing something. They're going to do it anyway. So you might as well educate them. And if you are going to do something, here are the risks. And Exactly. And I, I think that we like to make things very black and white because it's right. easier for us to understand things. But many issues are layered and they're, they exist on a gray scale. And um, the use of drugs, it, it triggers many because we know many people are addicted to drugs. Many people struggle with that. And we have many family members who have, who have struggled. So when we see that even a little bit, we're very quick to shut it down. And we don't have that real conversation about it. And there's many conversations to be had. Um, I think that we've learned that the war on drugs was not effective. We've learned what that's done. It had the reverse effect. And the reason for that is you can't put this big blanket over this big multi-dimensional issue because there's a lot of reasons why people become addicted to drugs. Um, with impulse, we have pillars where we talk about what are gay men going through? What are they facing? Um, maybe it's sex addiction, maybe it's mental health. Um, I'm not gonna say all gay men, but many gay men have similar struggles when it comes to my where's my mental health at why am i drinking all the time so there's things that are intersectional with each other so it helps when you have an organization like impulse step in which is made up of other gay men who can speak to these things in a way that makes more sense because i'm not going to sit here and patronize you for your use of drugs or if you have this thing that's really depressing or if you can't help but get on grinder all the time and do this you know those certain things um, I'm going to be here and tell you as another gay man how you need to be careful and how the things that you need to practice and put into play in your life, that's not going to make you feel bad about yourself, but that's going to keep you safe because I know what your lifestyle insists of, but right. I'm also one of you, you know? Right. So there's just a lot of conversations there that get missed. And I think that overall, we've gotten a lot better as a society when it comes to talking about opioids and all of those things, but we still miss the mark. And it's because we don't properly talk about it. And people who are far removed from it 
try to speak on it and then you miss the ears that need to hear you because you're speaking on something that you don't know much about. Right. No shaming. Shaming is never effective. Absolutely. You're, you're going to turn people off and they're not going to listen to you. Yeah. <laughs> um, where did you all, I have a few questions off what you just said, but first, mm -hmm. where did you all get the information to put in your chart? Like who did you consult? Was there research that you uh, looked um, at? So we are, um, a, the AIDS Healthcare Foundation is made up of a lot of nurses, doctors, phlebotomists who provide healthcare and accessible healthcare at that. Um, so this was over 10 years ago and it was, it, this is not an FDA approved drug chart, I'll say that, but this was a team of people who have dealt with substance abuse counseling and a team of people who have seen this first thing, they came together and made this chart. Um, it has been vetted by doctors and there have been doctors who have given their their absolute like as much as they can tell you this is a legitimate chart um but it's not an fda approved um 100 science i mean no science is 100 percent. all labels say 99 percent effective um so this drug chart is not necessarily a doctor fda approved chart this is something to give you a peace of mind i think something i said on twitter that you saw was that you're not going to see this in your doctor's office this isn't like a uh, one of those check the boxes exams. This is more about a chart that you can see maybe in the bathroom of a club um, that this is going to give you some peace of mind that if you did drink tonight and something's being offered to you, you might find this chart and then you'll know, okay, I shouldn't do that. That's stupid. And then it'll give you that little framework just to walk along. But it has been doctor, doctors have had their eyes on it, but it's not doctor approved. <laughs> got it. Yeah, 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 got it. Um, So just to play devil's advocate, you know, like yep. Let's say someone comes to you, you know, impulse group and says, Noel, I go on cocaine binges every weekend. And when I go out, I've been mixing it with MDMA and ketamine and I'm drinking. And, you know, you say that your job is to, you know, have a conversation, educate, but not shame. But like, what if the devil's advocate is that, you know, you should be like, absolutely don't do this. It's bad for you. And like, like, it's kind of maybe defeatist, some would say, to you know, not to not say explicitly, like, don't, that's, you know, terrible for you. Like, don't do that, avoid yeah. these situations. So yeah, like, what's your response to that? I think that the thing is also is, in a way, there's tears. Like, if I have a friend that I know, like, they do it, they, they participate in recreational drug use occasionally. But then I have another friend who I know that it's starting to affect his life, because all of his money is going towards this drug and it's starting to affect his health. Right. He's having health issues right. and I see it. I'm like, you're doing this multiple times a week. That is when you've crossed the threshold of, okay, this is clearly now entering the addiction phase. So now this is where you need to start addressing this because this is affecting your life in ways that are irreversible. Um, so that it's not, it's, and again, it's not, though to promote these things like i don't promote the use of drugs right. i promote the real the reality of how it affects our generation as a whole and that's how people should look at it because there's there's many conversations to be had there too like if somebody was doing cocaine how often are they doing it why are they doing it right. um and, and that's that's why there is no black and white answer so if i had a friend who as to what you said came up to me and was like I'm doing this all the time. I'm like, well, you need to stop because too much of anything is bad. If you rely on anything consistently that was not prescribed by a doctor, then that is not meant for you consistently and constantly. So you need to address this and change that. Right. And that, that's a different element from 
what we were talking about before though. No, no, but. definitely. No, no, but it's, it's, it's a good point for sure. Different tiers because everybody's different. Every situation is different mm-hmm. as well. It's, and, and I love that. It's not a, you know, one fits all kind of thing, certainly. Yeah. Um, and I think that the other thing is like your, your friends definitely have to check on you. So it's important that if you are engaging in like a party lifestyle or not even a party lifestyle, but a lifestyle that maybe entails certain things that are considered unconventional, it's important to have friends that surround you that feel comfortable enough to talk to you and address it and, you know, use that as checkpoints. And that's why I think the chart specifically is important because it gives people a certain degree of validation to know, okay, so I'm not just some crazy messed up guy. Like this is common in a way. So I can feel comfortable bringing this up to other people now because we're having this conversation about the drug chart now. And that was a conversation that may not have happened if this chart never existed to begin with. So it gives people that sense of, oh, I can talk about this. Like, I don't need to feel like I'm alienated and different. Like there's some validation. So I might speak up and out about it now. And then there's more chances that people will catch me now and that I can, I can feel like I have this space to exist in, you know? It's a gateway to discussion, which is a good thing. Um, Exactly. The last point I want to cover with you is, and, you mentioned this a few minutes ago, uh, or alluded to it, I should say. Why is drug use so prevalent in some pockets of the gay community? And obviously, it's prevalent in pockets of every community, but yeah. <laughs> gay LGBTQ community specifically. Um. So again, I, I I feel like I keep saying this, and it's kind of an oh no, yeah. Response, these are these hard. are nuanced questions, nuanced answers. <laughs> right? I'm fully aware. Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, there is a grayscale of why. Um, I think that there's certain qualities and behaviors that kind of tie into each other. And the way I look at it is some gay men or many gay men experience this sense of chasing the next thing, whether like, why are you staying out until 4 a.m., 5 a.m., 6 a.m. repeatedly? I've had this exact conversation (laughs) with my therapist. Why Why do I need more, more, more? Yes. And I think it ties into other things, though, because for some gay men, it might be a grinder hookup. Like, why are you looking for that next thing? It's never just one person. You're losing that connection. Why do you need the next person to have sex with? Why do you keep needing to hit this drug and continue the high? Why are what are you running away from? And I think that the constant drug use is giving you that short term high or this thing to run away from addressing yourself. So you go on this, this spiral, this bender, and you continue because you can't face something inside of you. And that looks different for everyone. So I guess if I can make any blanket statement, generally, it's that the continued repeated use of drugs to a point where it's causing some serious damage and self-harm, it's because you're not addressing something inside of yourself. And you need to see a therapist, not a pipe, right? So I think that that's like the commonality, but obviously there's so many degrees into it. But there's a chase and you got to slow down and look in a mirror and address, why am I doing this? What needs to be fixed? What am I not happy with? Because those short highs give you that sense of happiness and then it makes everything fun and giddy and whatever. And every drug is going to do something different. So address why you're doing this specifically. Why do you feel the need to go down that route and how do we stop it? But um, that's something that you have to decide internally, obviously, but um, it's different. Every, everybody's got a different um, story and a chase that's going on, but there's definitely a chase. <laughs> Undoubtedly. Uh, yeah. Noel, great stuff. Thanks for coming on. Um, do you have anything else to add? And how can uh, the listeners want to get in touch with you or Impulse Group? Uh, how can they do that? 
Yeah, for sure. Um, so Impulse Group Orlando, um, we have an Instagram that was the Instagram. It's at Impulse Group Orlando, but we are actually um, an international nonprofit or advocacy group. We have 25 chapters around the world. So um, there's a chance your city has a chapter and I definitely recommend finding them and reaching out and joining that chapter because it is a volunteer based organization. So it's very easy to get a part of it and get involved. Um, but if you'd like to come in contact with me, my handle is Noel Forrest on Instagram, Twitter, can answer any questions. I've been doing this work for a couple of years now and it is the best thing that I do. Um, we do a lot of different advocacy and outreach, but um, yeah, if you wanna hit me up. And Forrest is not my real name, that's just a fake name, but that is my Twitter and Instagram. <laughs> Noel, great conversation, thank you again. Thank you for having me, Alex. All right, so thank you for tuning in to episode number 140 of the Sports Kiki podcast. It's been great having you all here <clears throat> along the way. Uh, as always, if you want to get in touch with me online, you can do that via Twitter, at AlexReamer1 is my name. That, again, is at AlexReamer1. So long, and we'll talk to you next Friday, uh, next Saturday. <laughs>